Welcome everybody to Holiday Ho 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 Fest on an evening at the movies. This is the podcast where for the next month we will be examining and discussing the great Hollywood cinematic masterpieces of all time. Home Alone, A Christmas Carol, It's a Wonderful Life. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, as well as many, many others. So sit back, pour a glass of eggnog, and enjoy. And from all of us here at An Evening at the Movies, have a very happy holidays and very, very Merry Christmas. Good evening and welcome to everybody's favorite movie-based podcast. This is An Evening at the Movies and I am your incredibly ancient and excited host, Casey. And this is the podcast where we eat stale popcorn and drink watered-down soda and discuss all of our favorite movies and why we love them. So... Currently, we are smack dab in the middle of Holiday Ho 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 Fest 2021, which means, as you heard in the opening, we are going to be spending the month looking at various holiday movies from Home Alone to It's a Wonderful Life, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, uh, A Christmas Carol, a Nightmare Before Christmas, and then we will, the week after Christmas, get to the bridge episode of the month, which isn't technically a holiday movie, although the ultimate conclusion of the movie takes place during the holiday season, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it into a holiday fest, and then it will bridge the gap into the opening episode of 2022. And that is going to be a look at all four seasons of the hit Netflix TV show Cobra Kai before we roll into a month-long look at some of the American Film Institute's top 100 movies of all time. So with that said, um, I would like to make the announcement now, and I'll remind everybody later, here probably early next week, I will put a list of various options on the social media group pages and let everybody chime in with their ideas of episodes from that list that they would like to see discussed next month on the AFI Top 100 themed month. Um, I do know that one episode has been locked down to do and I will unveil that episode at the end of the episode when we talk about what's coming up on an evening at the movies. So now that that's said, and I have revealed that we are doing a month long dedication to the ho ho ho's and we are going to actually take a brief 30, 45 minute break from the ho ho ho's and we are actually going to do a special 
episode of an evening at the movies and unfortunately this is going to drop late on the event day and probably won't get much attention until the day after or the next few days after but um ultimately this episode is a birthday gift to the cane to my able the yin to my yang well that probably doesn't sound as appropriate but ultimately um on thursday december 9th 1978 43 years ago today my amazing mother gave birth to the reason i have a head full of gray hair my little brother Corey. so it was offered up to him a couple months ago that for his birthday this year i would let him pick any movie in the world that he wanted to have an episode dedicated or an episode done and i would do an episode on whatever that movie was wasn't sure if he was going to pick a holiday movie or not but I told him when he asked, I'm like, it doesn't have to be a holiday movie. It can be whatever movie you want. So today we are going to honor my baby brother's birthday and celebrate his choice for movies for this episode. So with that said, before we get into the episode, I just want to say one thing. And that is happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, little brother. I'm still better looking than you. <laughs> Bite me. Ha ha. In all sincerity, happy birthday, Corey. Um, you're... I suppose the best little brother that any big brother could ask for. So I will grant your wish and we will move into this episode of an evening at the movies. So, uh, tonight we are going to look at the 1971. Well, classic now but it wasn't considered a classic when it was released but um we are going to look at the well currently it is owned by warner brothers and but it was initially owned and released by paramount pictures but we are going to look at the gene wilder classic willy wonka and the chocolate factory so with that said Willy Wonka was released on June 30th 1971 at the time by Paramount Pictures if you watch and stream it on HBO Max right now it is I currently believe under the umbrella of Warner Brothers but I don't even try and understand ownership and legal rights and all that anymore it it is what it is and stuff is changing hands left and right with especially with the couple of major hollywood entities buying up different properties being disney and warner brothers and whatever the case may be so all that aside uh willy wonka was directed by mel stewart the screenplay was written by Roald Dahl and um, that's actually something we will get into later in the fun facts so stay tuned in for that little tidbit Uh, initially the movie had a budget of three million dollars and in 1971 it made a one million dollar profit and brought in four million dollars in return which translates to approximately it would have had a $26 million box office by today's standards. So realistically, for a movie that's as well-loved as this movie is, 
26 million dollars by today's standards probably wouldn't even be a drop of a grain of sand in the Sahara Desert towards making this as well loved and as much of a classic as it is so um, the cast is Gene Wilder plays Willy Wonka Jack Albertson played Grandpa Joe Peter Ostrom played Charlie Bucket Roy Kinnear played Mr. Salt Julie Don Cole played Veruca Salt Leonard Stone played Mr. Beauregard Denise Nickerson played Violet Beauregard Nora Denny played Mrs. TV um Paris Themen played Mike TV, Ursula Riet played Mrs. Gloop, Michael Boliner played Augustus Gloop, uh Diana Sowell, I guess is how you pronounce it, played Mrs. Bucket. Aubrey Woods played Bill. Yeah. I actually don't remember Bill from the movie, but oh well. But David Batley played Mr. Turkentine, Charlie Bucket's teacher. Gunther Meisner played Arthur Slugworth, slash, spoiler alert, Mr. Wilkinson. Werner Hiking played Mr. Jopek. And Dora Altman played Grandma Georgina. Franziska Liebing played Grandma Josephine. Ernst Ziegler played Grandpa George. And yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. There's a variety of other one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different people played all the Oompa Loompas as well. So I'm not going to list all those off, and some of them have hard enough to pronounce names. So I don't want to screw all that up. So Charlie Bucket is a poor paperboy who can only look inside a candy shop but never buy any sweets. Going home, he passes Willy Wonka's chocolate factory where a tinker tells him that nobody ever goes in and nobody ever comes out. Charlie rushes home to his widowed mother and bedridden grandparents That night, Charlie's Grandpa Joe reveals that Wonka had locked the factory up several years earlier because rival confectioners were sending in spies to steal his recipes. Wonka shut down the factory but resumed production years later. The gates remained locked and the original workers never returned to their jobs, leaving everyone wondering who had replaced them. A mystery. Wonka announces globally that he has hidden five golden tickets in chocolate Wonka bars. Finders of the tickets will receive a factory tour and a lifetime supply of chocolate. The first four tickets were found by a gluttonous German boy named Augustus Gloop. The spoiled English girl Veruca Salt with a wealthy father and from the United States a constantly gum-chewing Violet Beauregard and the television-obsessed boy, Mike TV. As each winner is announced on television, a sinister-looking man then appears and whispers to them. A subsequent news report reveals the fifth ticket was found by by a millionaire in Paraguay, causing Charlie to lose hope. The next day, Charlie is on his way home from school when he finds money in a gutter and uses it to buy and eat candy. With the change, he buys a regular Wonka bar for Grandpa Joe. Walking home, Charlie overhears that the millionaire had forged the fifth ticket. Charlie then opens his Wonka bar and discovers the final ticket. Rushing back, he encounters the same sinister-looking man seen whispering to each winner. 
He introduces himself as Slugworth and offers a reward for a sample of Wonka's latest creation, the Everlasting Gobstopper. Returning home with the golden ticket, Charlie chooses Grandpa Joe as his chaperone, who excitedly jumps out of bed for the first time in 20 years. Yeah, right. The next day, Wonka greets the ticket winners at the front gates of the factory and leads them inside, where each signs a contract before the tour. The factory includes the chocolate room, a candy land with a river of chocolate, and other sweets. The visitors meet Wonka's workforce, little people known as Oompa Loompas. During the tour, the individual character flaws of each child has given in to temptation. <sighs> My freaking words. During the tour, the individual character flaws of each child has them give in to temptation, resulting in their unusual elimination. Augustus gets sucked up a pipe, Violet turns into a blueberry, Veruca falls down a chute, and Mike is shrunk very, very small. The Oompa Loompas sing a song of morality after each disposal. During the tour, Charlie and Joe enter the fizzy lifting drinks room and sample the beverages against Wonka's orders. The drink makes them float up and have a near-fatal encounter with the ceiling exhaust fan, but burping allows them to escape and descend to the ground. At the end of the tour, Charlie and Grandpa Joe, now the only remaining guests, ask about what will become of the other kids. Wonka assures them that they will be fine, Wonka then hastily retreats to his office without awarding them the promised lifetime supply of chocolate. Grandpa Joe and Charlie enter his office to inquire, where Wonka angrily informs them that they had violated the contract when they drank the fizzy lifting drinks, thereby forfeiting their prize. Joe denounces Wonka and suggests to Charlie that he should give Slugworth the everlasting gobstopper in retaliation, but Charlie decides to return the candy to Wonka instead. All of a sudden, Wonker joyously declares Charlie the winner and reveals that Slugworth is actually his employee, Mr. Wilkinson. The offer to buy the gobstopper was a morality test for the ticket winners, and only Charlie passed. The trio enter the Wonkavator, a multi-directional glass elevator that flies out of the factory. During the flight, Wonka tells Charlie that he created the contest to find someone worthy enough to inherit his factory, so when he retires, he will give it to Charlie and his family. With the point, the ultimate lesson, well, I guess it's not really a lesson, but the payoff at the end of the movie being Wonka looking at Charlie and telling him to remember what happened to the boy who suddenly got everything he ever wished for. And Charlie asked him what, and Wonka told him he lived happily ever after. And that is the movie in a nutshell. So. Okay, so um, after going back and looking through some of my, um, I call them garbage notes, but... um, I don't ever remember the character actually having a name in the movie, so that's why I totally freaking spaced it off. But Bill is the guy who works in the candy store where they have the big song and dance number at the beginning of the movie and ultimately where Charlie buys his Wonka bar that has his golden ticket in it. So that is who Bill is. So please forgive me for my moronic slip up and I'm sure I will probably be hearing about it from Kevin sooner rather than later. So um, we'll just go through some, a few fun facts here really quick, but um, ultimately the one I was, the fact about the movie that I was referring to earlier is the fact that um, Roald Dahl, the man who wrote the Charlie Bucket books so long ago, actually 
is credited with writing the screenplay for this movie, but um, the studio had major, major issues with the, his adaptation of the books and ultimately ended up hiring and giving the script to an uncredited writer. I'm not sure why it went down that way and why the writer never gets credit for being the writer, the screenwriter, but, and Roald Dahl actually gets it. I mean, realistically, it's Roald Dahl's baby and, you know, it is what it is. But, I mean, if his script isn't the one that they use, then I don't know why he would be getting the credit for it. But evidently, yeah, there was a lot of tension between the author and the studio as to the version of this world that they both wanted to portray. So we'll go through a couple other um, quick fun facts here before we move on to a couple of funny quotes. But... um, When the kids enter the chocolate room for the first time, they see the candy gardens and their reactions are real. It was the first time that they saw that part of the set. So um, I credit that to more like that moment in the Goonies at the end, well, towards the end, where the kids come out of the cave water slides and they end up in the cavern with, one-eyed willie's boat and none of them had even seen the pirate ship at that point until they come up from underwater and turn around and see it for the first time and that was the reaction that was caught by richard donner in that moment is the reaction that you got in the movie which tends to make me feel like you getting a more authentic and rich reaction so for me personally as if i was a director i would prefer to um for phenomenal over-the-top moments like that have a have it done in a moment where everything is revealed in the moment as the camera's rolling. Uh, Let's see. Gene Wilder said that he would make the film under one condition. He wanted to do a somersault in the scene where he first meets the children. When asked why, the actor said that having Willy Wonka start out limping and end up somersaulting would set the tone for the character. He wanted to portray him as someone whose actions were completely unpredictable and his wish was granted. So, um, to me, from the few times I've read the book and seen the movie, I actually enjoy the idea of a little bit of unpredictability with Willy Wonka just because you don't, it keeps you on your toes. And yeah. Let's see. Uh, Denise Nickerson, Violet Beauregard, didn't want to do her nose picking scene. Uh, she had a, actually had a huge crush on Peter Ostrom and didn't want to embarrass herself. Hmm. I'd never actually heard that one before, but hey, why not? Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. wanted to play Bill the candy store owner, but Stewart didn't like the idea because he felt that the presence of a big star in the candy store scene would break the reality. Nevertheless, the candy store song, The Candy Man, became a staple of Sammy Davis Jr.'s stage show for many, many years to come.
this one actually might be known, but we're going to go ahead and throw it out there as well. Peter Ostrom, the actor who plays Charlie, had made no other films after this. He went on to become a veterinarian. Um, this one I didn't know, though. Uh, Julie Don Cole is the only one from the Wonka Kids who is still or was still acting. Kind of sort of an obvious one here, but um, most of the chocolate bars in the film were actually made of wood. And more than likely that would lean towards the fact that um, over an extended period of time to film, the chocolate could go bad and or melt or whatever. Um Director Mel Stewart initially wanted to reveal that Willy Wonka had strategically placed the golden tickets in order to give the factory to Charlie. The idea was dropped, though, but hints remained in the film due to uh, Mr. Wilkinson, a.k.a. Slugworth, conveniently showing up every time a ticket was uncovered. <laughs> In Wonka's office at the end of the movie, Charlie's stunned reaction to the candy maker yelling at him is real. Ostrom was told beforehand, was not told beforehand, excuse me, that Willie would be yelling at Charlie. Stewart felt that doing it that way would allow for a better, more real reaction from Charlie. Wilder said that he wanted more than anything to warn Peter about the yelling beforehand because they had become such good friends during the production and he wanted Ostrom to be assured that he was only acting, but Mel Stewart forbade it. So that's pretty much the fun facts that I came up with for the movie. So, all right, so let's get into some, Memorable quotes from the movie. Um, we'll go right to one of the obvious ones, and that being the multi-used line, strike that, reverse it. Um, that line definitely creates an image of Willy Wonka being in his own mind slash in his own world and being preoccupied with multiple different issues and that can tend to throw him off at time to time and cause him to misspeak so in a way that's probably a useful line for when you misspeak and need to stop and flip everything around um, let's see, one of the next ones, uh, if you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Um, one of my favorite things about this movie is the charming elements, is the charming elements being the music that is spliced throughout the movie. The songs really are enjoyable and one of the best parts is the number that willie himself sings as they first enter the factory everything about the scene is pure amazement and wonka's words reflect that perfectly he comes across as kind and fun and is everything you initially expect from somebody who is in his position this quote is particularly powerful though as it showcases there is true beauty in everything with paradise being found anywhere if you just look for it. Uh, let's see. Uh, from Veruca's disappearance, 
scene. I think that furnace is only lit every other day, so they have a good sporting chance, haven't they? Uh, Willie really does come out with some incredible one-liners during the movie, and one of the best is this one, as he reassures a concerned Charlie Bucket that Veruca and her father won't actually be burnt in the furnace, as he first suggests. It's a great line because, firstly, he has no clue whether they will or won't, and secondly, because it's so quick-witted at the end as he casually brushes off the situation and the fact that they could be burned. It's the type of character that he is, often switching personalities, and that's what makes him so hard to predict. Uh, let's see. Um, one of my other faves is, um, I believe it was from, um, Augustus Gloop's disappearance into the Chocolate River. And it's when he falls in and his mom's freaking out. And she asks him if he's going to do anything. And he stands up kind of bewildered. And he's like, help, police, murder. Um, several times in the film, when the children's greed gets them in trouble and the parents begin to panic, Wonka gives a totally unenthusiastic cry for help. Wilder nails these moments, making them some of the funniest parts of the movie. I think probably one of the most intense moments of the movie is the scene in Wonka's office when he's blowing up on Charlie and Grandpa Joe and ultimately screams at them, you lose, good day, sir. Um, it's one of the more shocking moments in the movie In my opinion, Wonka's magical persona disappears as he becomes withdrawn and almost depressed. When Charlie's grandfather asks about the prize that he was promised, Wonka snaps insistently, in, insistently, insisting Charlie broke the rules and loses. The sudden switch takes the viewers off guard. Wonka was such an oddball character, happy-go-lucky, free-spirited and all that. And to see him suddenly become very serious and enraged is a jolting moment. Wilder delivers the line with such frustration that it makes it all the more rewarding when the happy Wonka returns after Charlie returns the everlasting gobstopper. And... To go along with the other moment from earlier when we discussed the don't forget what happened to the boy who suddenly got everything he wanted right before that um basically in the moment where wonka reveals to charlie that he's going to move charlie and his family into the factory and slowly teach them how to carry on his legacy and give them the chocolate factory he asked, basically asked Charlie what he thought of the factory, and Charlie thought it was wonderful. And Willie ultimately looks at him and says, I'm very pleased to hear you say that because I'm giving it to you. So while Willy Wonka can be a very angry and little intimidating at times, he also shows real moments of softness. At the end of the movie, when he asked Charlie if he enjoyed the factory, this brings out one of his kinder quotes as he peels away at the facade and seemingly shows the real him. 
There's no performance or act in this voice in his voice. It's just him being himself and making it clear that he is giving Charlie the factory. It's one of the most crucial parts of the movie and is the feel good finale everyone hopes for, which is what makes it such a great moment. So that's some of the fun quotes from and significant quotes from the movie. So so what is Casey B's thoughts on the movie well honestly it is a movie I remember seeing oh god probably mid ish 80s so i was probably hmm, seven eight at the time and remember being totally in awe watching the movie the scene in the chocolate room with the everything being edible and all of that was yeah, for a fat kid, a dream come true, and I wanted to visit that room immediately, as I'm sure a lot of people who watched the movie did as well. Um, the musical numbers throughout the movie, I think, are on point. Um For the most part, I don't recall there really being a horrible performance by anyone in the movie. I think at times Charlie can come across as being uncharismatic, which it was Peter Ostrom's first movie, last movie, only movie. So I don't know prior to that if there was any acting experience around or it was just randomly plucked out of a freaking crowd. But um, he even, I, I don't, I'm not trying to put Peter down by any stretch of the imagination and say that oh my god he had a horrible performance and all that because he has some amazingly awesome moments throughout the movie as well I just <clears throat> for the most part he has a couple of moments in the movie where he just seems kind of flat and one-dimensional but I do also think that he comes across incredibly dynamic in more moments than he comes across as being flat though too so please don't think that I'm just crapping all over his performance because I'm really not and I personally think he did it an awesome job um yeah i and legitimately what can you say about the wonderment that is gene wilder the man was incredibly talented in many ways song limited dance but still dance and perform. I mean, the guy was an icon. So he delivers an awesome performance in this movie as well. Um, even the fact that the script was taken away from Doll and given to somebody else, and it was adapted 
in a different fashion than what Dahl wanted. I don't think it's a horrible script at all. It may not necessarily be spot on and capture the essence of the story that um, Dahl wrote in his book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But it's an awesome movie. I can't really... There's good life lessons throughout the entire movie. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's entertaining. It's fun. It's honestly not really something you really have to sit back and even think about. You can just sit back and for an hour and 40 minutes enjoy the movie and be entertained and not have to worry about anything. It's a movie that you can watch. I'm 44 years old, almost 45, and I still, to this day, watch it semi-regularly just because I love it that much. Um, you know, I watched it in my 40s. I watched it in my 30s. I watched it in my 20s. I watched it in my teens. I watched it, obviously, in, you know, the first decade of my life. Well, probably the last half of the first decade of my life but ever since I saw it it's been a regular part of my life and um I know some people aren't necessarily fans of it and that's their choice and that's their right I won't poo-poo them for that but I love this movie and for the fact that it definitely can be very reminiscent and cause you to travel back and remember a simpler time when we were all a lot younger and a lot more childlike. And especially in this day and age with everything going on in the world around us, sometimes going back in time and remembering those simple, easier times is a very much needed journey that we all should be allowed to take. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and probably give this movie four out of five golden tickets. Um, I honestly think if you haven't seen this movie I highly recommend you go and see it. Um, at least one, I think everybody should at least be able to watch this movie one time and experience the wonderment that is Willy Wonka. So, <coughs> anyway, guys, that is my brother's birthday episode of An Evening at the Movies. I, again, as always, Appreciate each and every one of you coming back every week and listening to the episodes that we create for you guys. It is greatly appreciated, and you guys are all incredibly loved by not only myself, but Queenie and Jean and everybody. So we do what we do to keep you guys entertained and as long as you guys, as always, as long as you guys keep coming back, we will be here for you each and every week. Whether it's me, whether it's Queenie, whether it's me and Queenie and Jean, well, Queenie, Jean, and Casey B. Um, so, yeah. So, like I said earlier, um, we got some stuff coming up on an evening at the movies. Um I believe the plan is sometime Sunday. Oh, dear Lord, please kill me now. But no, don't. That, that's not an appropriate... I didn't mean it, and it probably shouldn't have come out of my mouth. But Sunday, I believe, is the plan that um, Kevin the mysterious Kevin that 
if you are in the social media group, you all have seen his posts and requests and they will be honored this weekend. Oh dear Lord, as myself and Queenie and Kevin will be making his debut on an evening at the movies and we will be discussing the movie. I'm not going to add adjectives because I don't want to have spoilers and I want you guys to please tune in and listen. But we will be discussing the movie Rubber and um, in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. Um, as for the rest of the month, um, yeah, I said it earlier. Um, next week, It's a Wonderful Life and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, Christmas week will be The Nightmare Before Christmas and A Christmas Carol. The week after that... The last week of the month, um, I believe the plan is, is that myself, well, Queenie Jean and Casey B will be coming together to, um, journey back in time since we haven't done the original yet, but we're going to discuss the original Karate Kid, which was the movie I was referring to earlier that technically isn't a holiday movie, but the tournament happens on December 19th, 1984. So it's a holiday movie and you can, I'm, that's my case and I'm sticking to it, but we're doing that ultimately because the first week of the month, um, Amanda and I are going to be doing a complete season four over Four, not season four, a complete four season overview of the hit Netflix series Cobra Kai. The other announcement I was going to make is for the AFI Top 100 Movies of All Time month. The one movie that has pretty much been locked in stone, we just haven't set a date yet for it, is that myself. And Amanda will be welcoming back to the show for the first time since the Mother's Day episode. We will be welcoming my brother back onto the podcast. And we will be discussing the Academy Award winning motion picture, Forrest Gump. So you have guys have that to look forward to as well. Um, there'll be, like I said, I'll post a list probably this weekend sometime of options to round out the month of January and you guys can voice your opinions and let me know and we will get January filled out because once we are done with January we literally are one episode away from the an evening at the movies one year anniversary episode it's on the horizon guys and it's we're literally knocking on the door somebody just needs to freaking open it so we can all join the party um as we finalize the details for that episode as well um myself and amanda will keep you guys updated as to what we are looking forward to doing that night on February 10th. So be on the lookout for all that stuff. I know I'm rambling through the upcoming schedule, but um, I wanted to make sure you guys all knew what was going on and what to expect over the next, well, literally two months because it's literally three minutes to midnight and I'm probably not going to get this episode dropped on December 9th, but it'll be on the 10th. And the 10th is two months to the day until eight weeks until birthday time for the podcast. So, yes. 
enough rambling. Thank you guys for joining us. And before I tip my hat and run out the door, I just want to say again, happy birthday, little brother. I love you. I hope you had a good day. Um, and I'm sure I will more than likely be talking to you at some point on Friday. So thank you guys for coming. And I hope you guys all come back for an evening at the movies. Have a good night, guys. And peace. Thank you.